0: Two months ago, we at Explaining Brazil discussed the crisis of Peronism in Argentina, with midterm primary elections showing that the ruling coalition was en route for a major loss. When the official polls closed this past Sunday, November 14th, there was no major comeback to be seen. The government lost, just as predicted. But Argentina's political system could be braced for more changes, with parties on the far left and far right making significant gains breaking the duopoly of Peronists and anti-Peronists. And this week, we'll talk about a new face on the scene of Argentinian political heavyweights, Javier Milei, often referred to as Argentina's answer to Jair Bolsonaro. My name's Ewan Marshall, editor of the Brazilian Report and standing in for editor-in-chief Gustavo Ribeiro, and this is Explaining Brazil. Javier Milei epitomizes the anti-establishment rebellion in Argentina. A trained economist, he spent years doing the rounds on political talk shows slamming the ruling parties.
1: Este gobierno es un gobierno criminal. Es un, criminal. es un gobierno criminal en lo económico.
0: The far-right leader refuses to get vaccinated against COVID-19.
1: No tengo, digamos, claro que estén dadas todas las condiciones sobre si la vacuna es buena o no. He's a climate change denier. Claro, traiga más evidencia empírica, sí, y traiga, digamos, modelos de ecuaciones diferenciales simulados, pero no con parámetros manoseados.
0: And he describes himself as a lion with his shock of tousled dark brown hair. And on Sunday, he got 17% of the votes in Buenos Aires City. And his political group, La Libertad Avanza, is now planning to expand nationwide, entering the center stage of the political system.
1: Lo que quiero hacer es darle las gracias a toda la militancia, a cada uno de ustedes que fueron a pelearla centímetro por centímetro cada espacio de la
0: ciudad. Ignacio Fortes is, is our Buenos Aires correspondent. Ignacio, good to talk to you again. So, who is Javier Milei and how did he gain notoriety?
2: Well, the way in which he gained notoriety, Ewan, is uh just a good fit maybe with Argentina's economic and political climate because for the last 10 years Argentina has been going around between two political parties none of whom can had really hit the nail on the head in terms of what to do with Argentina's economic problems first we had the late years of the Cristina Kirchner government with high inflation lots of increasing amount of restrictions on economic uh, trade, on imports, exports, what you could do, what companies could do, higher taxes, uh, less growth, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, and no, no real improvement economically. Then Mauricio Macri came, promising changes, uh, promising uh, free market reforms, and uh, for a couple of years showing uh, some apparent success, but that was all very much based on their raising new debt, and eventually the, his government collapsed under a debt crisis, a debt and currency crisis, really, and ended up being strongly repudiated uh, by in the, during the last two years of his government and bringing back the Peronist administration, this time with Alberto Fernández, who seemed like a bit of a more moderate figure than Cristina Kirchner, and Cristina Kirchner as the vice president. but. That is not working out either for them, as you could see from the election results. Inflation is still going up. The economy, I mean, it has bounced back a bit after the pandemic closure, but not beyond the, the what happened everywhere uh, in the world, right? After closing down, of course, you recover some of the economic activity, but uh, salaries have lost a lot during the Kirchner years. Inflation is much higher than any salary improvements that people have got or whatever pensioners have got uh, in nominal terms or social programs have increased also less than inflation. So uh, Alberto Fernández hasn't really delivered on his economic uh, promises. So it's been 10, 12 years of dissatisfaction, economically speaking, And Javier Millet comes with a discourse that speaks about how all the political class, he says, the political caste, he says, uh, is the same, right? They're all part of some kind of cabal that wants uh, really its own benefits and not to represent the people. It just is looking to gather more resources for itself through taxes, through printing of money, etc. And uh, its real goal is to perpetuate its power and increase it and like um, generate uh, systems of, of dependency which see uh, people depend on politicians and cannot be independent and thrive on themselves and just be like subservience of patronage and stuff like that. So Millais is... Is like showing. Is like trying to create a new worldview. And he is. He has been for years doing what he calls like a cultural war, a cultural battle uh, in TV channels. He started doing small podcasts, small radio shows, and eventually his personality, his um, flamboyant style, he's all his shouting and his um, direct confrontational style made him very good for ratings, right? As it happened with Trump too in the US, the media picked him up because it was like fun, attractive to have him on uh, fighting with other politicians and with other journalists and so on. And so that gave him a big platform to, to become popular. And uh, eventually he said, okay, now it's time to move on from, from the cultural battle to the political battle. And he eventually launched this political party, La Libertad Avanza, in the city but the city is a good place to start a political career because you have all the attention of the national media. So having got, having got such good results at 17% in Buenos Aires City uh, and uh, with all the press covering him so closely, he can now move on to the rest of the country, also have but by the internet, right? This is a very internet-based movement too. And so what we're probably going to start to see is how he tries to move uh, from Buenos Aires City to the rest of the country.
0: And so it's interesting, you've made that quite clear that he is like a, you know, like a naysayer, you know, he goes against the establishment. But what what about himself? Like, what are his own inspirations, his own influences? Like, what does his political movement look like?
2: Yeah, so in terms of his own thought, uh, what you have to keep in mind is that he's a trained economist. So his main ideas are economic ideas. He has for years studied uh, the thought of Chicago, the Chicago School of Economics and the Austrian School of Economics, figures like Milton Friedman, Friedrich von Hayek, um, von Mises too. And uh, so he's a very obsessive studier of their ideas. He repeats them in public all the time, sometimes to the point that people who are talking to him don't understand what he's saying because he's bringing a whole set of theories and assumptions that people initially don't completely understand. But eventually uh, he starts to create this own alternative narrative Starting from his ideas, which he repeats all the time, right? So he has created for like the youth of the country and for other disgruntled people, uh, like disgruntled private sector workers or even some poor people. He has created this. Uh, he has like um, he did what Milton Friedman did in the United States and the UK in Europe during the eighties when they were challenging uh, the Keynesian era of thought. Uh, and starting like the Thatcher years, the Reagan years, Milton Friedman had this idea that he had to culturally intervene in society and discuss uh, in public forums with what were the accepted ideas. Well, Millay did something like that. Inspired in Friedman, he went to public arenas first um, to small places and then to bigger ones to try to uh, make that idea, those ideas popular again so he mostly comes from an economic background uh, the rest of the of their ideas are really secondary right the all the anti covid stuff gun rights he mentions it because he also copies a bit bolsonaro and trump but really his one main focus is economics central banks High inflation, high taxes. Why we have high inflation? Because, economic, because politicians um, spend too much, print too much money.
1: Que es gravísimo lo de la inflación porque es recontra regresiva, le pega entre 25 y 30 veces más fuerte a los más pobres, te revienta el crecimiento económico, todo eso. <risa> pero sobre todas las cosas el problema es que es inmoral. ¿Por qué? Porque implica un robo, porque implica una estafa.
2: Uh, that's his really his constant takeaways and the message he's constantly hammering, right? That's his core beliefs, he what he truly believes in. And, and it's, it, is, it is what fits quite well with this time of high inflation in Argentina and failure of other uh, strands of ideas uh, in the country. He's, he looks a bit fresh because he's bringing ideas that weren't talked about for quite a few decades in the country. It looks like a fresh alternative. What he's bringing,
0: and is he something of like a like a one man army at the moment, or are there any other kind of important figures who are close to him which we should be paying attention to?
2: Well, he, he's clearly the leader of the movement. He's the more more evident, the more salient figure, right? But there are, I mean, there are other liberal figures that are important. There's the, this um, other candidate, Jose Luis Espert, who is also an economist a bit less of a flamboyant personality, but also very loud, very strong personality too, uh, who was also a candidate in this election, but in Buenos Aires province, which is not the same as Buenos Aires city. And he got like seven, 8% of the vote, a significant amount, but not as big as as Millet. And they are not on the same party right now. They have all this very hard to trace political differences that might eventually resolve. They have been in talks at some points and, uh, there were, there were discussions of, of doing a common front, but in the end, Millet ran in the city, as per ran in the province, and not with the same parties exactly. So, But he's a, he was a presidential candidate. In the past, he got 3% of the voters and took really less uh, less than 2% of the vote. Uh, but now he got sevens, which is, shows that their movement is rising, and he has similar ideas to Millet. So they are rising um, in different places with different figures, but Millet is bigger than him. And there's also other allies which are not so um, economic- Centered, right? But they are part of the movement. One is Victoria Villarreal, who is um, an activist, a right wing activist who has for decades been taught, been also challenging the the narrative of uh, progressive governments and uh, progressive activists about the 70s dictatorship, she's more of a classic right winger in our, for what Argentina's right wing is. She is all um, like trying to revive discussions from the 70s about how it wasn't just the military dictatorship that was violent, but also um, there was this guerrilla movements that, that also killed people and that everyone forgets about the military victims of left wing violence and so on. He has for, yeah, for decades been... Trying to write books and con- do conferences, and went to the United States to get trained on issues of terrorism and so on, and trying to yeah create this narrative that uh, the left wing violence was just as important, or, or maybe even started the conflict in the seventies. Then there's this um, well, Bisharuel well, was the second candidate of Millet, right? In, he, she was also going to be a, a lawmaker because both Millet and Bisharuel uh, got elected, got enough votes to both go to the Congress. Then there's other peripheral figures that are that could also be important. One is um, Gómez Centurión. He was a former officer of the Macri administration, but more importantly, he's a Malvinas War veteran and uh, part of also the real uh, hard rights movement in Argentina. He has this positive image because he was he played a, he was like a, a hero in the war. He he was important in some of the battles against the British and so on. So he has some prestige in that sense. And he has this nationalist Catholic, let's say, discourse of recovering values, anti-abortion, not being corrupt and, and the like. And finally, I would say a final figure that is important is um, Carlos Maslaton. Maslaton, who is a financial speculator, really, but also very popular with the youth, very, which is very important in Millet's movement. Uh, he's like a Bitcoiner. He's um, more in line with with stuff with issues that the young people could align on on in terms of right-wing free market things he's like a very comical character is very always uh, mocking uh, the political activity and political discussions in Argentina in through his face, facebook page twitter page sometimes on tv too uh, he's another figure that could be he, he has been mentioned as a potential like economic figure who could be like a minister in the future if eventually Millet is widely widely popular and uh, like competes for the presidency or something like that
0: and so if you could just tell us a little bit more about uh Millet's success with these young voters which you you touched on before
2: yeah well um the, the young people are are the really the base of his movement uh like very very young people you can see uh, like people since they're 14, 15, 17, they're start, they are all the time on the internet, especially during these last two years in which everyone was on the internet all the time because of the pandemic. And this movement is very internet-based and it happens on Twitter and it happens on Facebook. It happens on discourse, like Discord. Sorry, all these new, like Twitch, all all these new platforms online, uh, WhatsApp groups, and so on. These people, like they have been disaffected. They feel disaffected by the Kirchnerite economy. There are people that think very globally. They want to work for um, foreign employers. They want to import stuff freely, export stuff freely. And they can't because of the protectionist nature of the government, of the Kirchner government. And they are also very disaffected. Many, like the economic crisis has made many young people look to leave the country, move abroad. There's this feeling of uh, lack of hope in Argentina. And Millet has created this alternative, positive, right? A hopeful message for these people that, we can actually give you the freedom, the opportunities to actually do something of yourself in the country. You're not going to just be dismissed as dangerous lunatics, incel, lonely, dangerous, solitary people that are just enemies of the country. And that just their the only alternative is to move abroad, look for a chance elsewhere. That, But you can be part of a movement, come to our rallies. Uh, convince people to vote for us and so on. And so they are really the main energy. The main energy force are, are young people that have seen his message through, through the internet and through TV too. But mainly the young people through the internet. TV is more of a way to reach older people. But uh, when you go, and you see the pictures of, of the rallies and you can see the faces, there's, it's very apparent that there's lots of young male people, young male voters and supporters in the front rows and doing the singing, doing the, um, the going to the rallies and so on, being like also being trolls on the internet, uh like quote tweeting politicians from other parties and, and laughing at them. That's the kind of uh the energy where the energy of this movement comes is is from young people uh, mostly.
0: And next we're gonna talk about Javier Millet's political prospects, particularly after Sunday's vote. So we'll be right back. As you know, The Brazilian Report is an independent news outlet that lives off subscriptions. So you can support our independence by choosing one of our plans for the best content about Brazil in English. And if you have already subscribed, then you can also buy us a coffee. With a small donation starting at $4 and going up to whatever your budget and your heart allows, you can help us refill our coffee mugs to continue covering Brazil. Just go to buymeyacoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. BuymeACoffee.com slash Brazilian Report. So we're back with Ignacio Portes, the Brazilian Report's Buenos Aires correspondent. Ignacio Millet has gone from relative obscurity to getting 17% of the vote in the Argentinian capital. So I'm not trying to ask you to, you know, predict the future, but after we've seen similar figures going from being political unknowns to, you know, president in other countries, is there a realistic path towards the Casa Rosada for Millet?
2: Well, at the moment, it seems it still seems like a long shot. But as you said, it's happening in other countries, so you have to keep it in mind as a possibility. To me, uh, as a, as a personal opinion, the most realistic path to power for him is not like being straight up the president. That seems far fetched. Still, I mean, there's time for things to change. The economic crisis could get worse. There is room for more for the right wing to get stronger if the economic crisis deepens in the next two years in Argentina, which is definitely a possibility because. Everything is really fragile at the moment in terms of debt, inflation, all the maturities that Argentina has to face, all the central bank debt that keeps being rolled over into the future, and that maybe Argentina eventually cannot pay back and has to print money to serve it. So that could lead to higher inflation and more problems. So eventually, if things get worse economically, maybe there's more room for Millet to grow. But the opposition, the the main center-right opposition is still strong Enough. It won the last elections. It got forty percent of the vote. It's not insignificant at all. And it, uh, so I think for Millet, the more realistic path to influence politics would be uh, something closer to what we saw in nineteen eighty nine in Argentina, where there also was a significant, like free market, very pro market militant movement called the UCD. the what they were called, like the Central Democratic Union, right? But they were really uh, economic right wingers, libertarians led by this guy Álvaro Zucarrai who was like a military man but also very critical of the military in terms of economics and saying they needed to be more pro market, more right wing and so on and then was a critic of the social democratic movements after the dictatorship and eventually by 1999 when Argentina was on the verge of hyperinflation he became a relatively popular figure garnering like 10% of the vote and so on uh, but he didn't have enough to be the president by himself but what he did was started to court uh, the guy who looked like the favorite at the time, who was the Peronist Carlos Menem, and uh, proposed an alliance with him and helped turn uh, Menem, who was a Peronist, but uh, also one of these Peronists who are happy to flip their ideas depending on what is more popular or what seems more um, pragmatic at the time. And so the UCD, Al Sogaray, uh, helped uh, create the pro-market turn of Carlos Menem Uh, during when the USSR was falling and the Berlin Wall was falling and Argentina's social democratic government was undergoing hyperinflation, he influenced and made an alliance in Congress with Carlos Menem's government to launch privatization, pro-market reforms, the elimination of barriers to trade, and so on, and uh, created the neoliberal turn of Argentina from a secondary position, but Uh, Like the figure, the main figure was obviously Carlos Menem, the president, but uh, he was part of the alliance and he gave the alliance part of its economic content. So I think we could, uh, that that's a realistic path for Millais people to become influential, to try to um, like drive a wedge in the opposition somehow or influence their thought and say, okay, this time, unlike the last time when when we were like moderates or something, we're going to be really hardcore, really pro-market, no... with nothing stopping us and being going full tilt ahead with pro-market reforms uh, this time. So I think something like that could be more feasible.
0: And of course, in 2023, we've got the presidential election coming around and former right-wing president Mauricio Macri is almost certainly going to try to get back into the top job. Do you think there's maybe a chance of Macri seeking out Millet, trying to co-opt him, bring him into the fold?
2: Yeah, yeah, there's been discussions of that. Mac- Macri's trying to... Um, uh, Grabs some of that energy for his party. He has praised Millet in, in the build-up to the election. He has said that his ideas, the, the, the ideas of Millet, are also his own ideas. Uh, Macri is also like he—he's known to be an Ayn Rand uh, reader, uh, a reader of uh, very right-wing authors, but he doesn't really discuss those ideas in public. Right in public, he has all this public persona carefully managed to try to be more bland, more not confrontational and so on. But uh, I think his thought is changing that maybe now he can be more open in terms of what he believes economically and in, what, in terms of what he does economically too. Uh, so yes, he is seeking to either co-opt in or neutralize him. It's not clear exactly, but he is been sending praise his way and but that is creating I, as I was saying, like a wedge, right, between the between Macri and some of his allies, like Patricia Bullrich, who was Macri's security minister, also like from the right wing of the anti Peronist coalition, and the more centrist parts of that coalition, which are like Buenos Aires City Mayor, Horacio Rodríguez Larreta and his candidate in the city and former governor of the province, Mario Henríquez Vidal. These guys are more like what we would say, like Christian Democrats—not really Christian, but like that kind of centrist, um, not not really socialist, not really uh, fully uh, like market fanatics, and so on. More trying to strike a balance and being very pragmatic, pragmatic themselves. Uh, there, there's a divi- division between these two camps in the in the mainstream opposition, in the guys that won. The, the Sunday selections in Argentina, with Macri's people being more friendly to an agreement of some kind with with Millet and Larreta's people not friendly at all of an agreement of that kind or just being more sceptical in general. It would be very important to see who wins this battle uh, within the, the opposition to see what kind of role Millet can play. Um, if uh, Patricia Bullrich, Mauricio Macri's wing wins that battle, then it, it would feel more natural for Millet to become part of their movement, otherwise Milay will probably still keep being like a third alternative. Like uh, he will keep present, he will keep talking about the caste, the political cast, as, as if they're all the same.
1: And, and
2: remaining more of an outsider that tries to challenge uh, the main the main options.
0: And of course Alberto Fernandez will be up for a re-election during what may be, you know, the worst moment for Peronism in democratic times. And I remember you mentioned the last time you were on the show that, you know, left-wing ideas in Argentina were maybe starting to feel a bit old and a bit stale after, you know, 20 years of Kirchnerite dominance. Do you think the left-wing movement in Argentina is going to be able to reinvent itself or are the disgruntled voters more likely to, you know, turn to someone like Milei?
2: Well, and um, yeah, there are certainly more disgruntled Kirchnerites right now that are unhappy with their own government. You could see it obviously in the election results, but many disgruntled Kirchnerites are starting to repudiate Alberto Fernandez but still remain loyal to his vice president, Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, which is maybe the more politically important figure in that movement. So I don't think the movement is like going to go away or anything. Cristina remains a popular figure with. with a small, uh, like an important but not majoritarian part of the population, like a small uh, minority, uh, like, yeah, a, a significant minority, let's say, of the population. She's still uh, popular with some middle class, uh, more politicized sectors and uh, among the poor of Greater Buenos Aires, especially, and some in the north of the part of the north, poor north of the country, too she's still popular there so yes it's true that it, it doesn't feel as fresh as it did 10 20 years ago and like the new generations are moving more to right wing ideas uh the all that the youth energy as i was saying is that used to go really uh, 10 20 years ago it used to go to to Christina Kirchner to Nestor Kirchner to the or uh, yeah to to that to that sector in general now uh, it feels outdated it feels like um okay they have their chance things have not improved so maybe we need to look elsewhere. But they, they won't disappear, right? They're, they will keep existing. They will keep being a political factor. There's this fantasy in Argentina among the right wing that someday people will finally realize that Peronism is just wrong. Everything they say is, is false and they just will see the light and Peronism will cease to exist. But that's very unlikely. It can re- may become less popular, of course, but I don't think it will really go away. What we could see is certainly... Even amongst the poor, Millet trying to eat away part of the of not only the youth but some of the poor vote. He's trying to sell this idea that okay, the poor don't need to depend on the state. The poor can be also entrepreneur, entrepreneurial. They can be free and have their own free will and do stuff for themselves and not depend on politicians. So he, there is certainly a new a new set of ideas that he's trying to sell. And he's not doing that badly, really, in those terms. He he has. At least in Buenos Aires City, got pretty good vote share, and sometimes better vote share among poor districts than in middle class districts. So there's certainly competition, right, for for the the sectors that Kirchner used to dominate, the youth, the poor. But it's not like like they want that they will fully go away. Of course, they they will continue to be a relevant uh, part of Argentina's political landscape. The the question really is if the combined forces of maybe Macri, Milei another centrist right-wing forces, maybe the Peronist governors who are not as left-wingers as Cristina, could combine to neutralize them in the future and change, move Argentina in a different direction. That is more maybe a realistic view of the future for Argentina.
0: Ignacio, thanks a lot. Thank you, Ian. It's been a pleasure. If you like Explaining Brazil, please give us a five-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. It just takes a second and it helps more people find out about this show. Or you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, which is the journalistic engine behind this podcast. It's your support that allows us to do our award-winning work. And we offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, and that gives you access to the site for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. I'm Ewan Marshall. Thanks for listening.